Yes, welcome to Radiant 17. And so um, the first time that Pentecost comes into um, into uh, into this realm, into play, because it has always been here because it is a feast that came from the Lord. So anything that God creates is eternal. So it was in the mind of God before it was ever here. But when it came here, you find in, June, in, uh, in Exodus uh, chapter 19, when Israel had already been out of, out of, Egypt. They've been delivered by the mighty right hand of God through Moses. They've seen the seas parted. They've been in the wilderness. They've seen uh, water come from a rock. They've been fed with manna. They've watched God show off and show out on their behalf. He has went beyond to show who he is. And so they had just experienced Passover 50 days prior. And it was the miraculous hand of the Lord that brought them out. But now they're coming to meet God for the very first time because that was the whole purpose, that the Lord would be reconnected with his people. That was the that was the, first, the focal point of why God wanted them out. It wasn't just to bring them into a land and give them stuff. He wanted to establish a relationship with them before he ever placed them there. That's why they met them. They met him at Mount Sinai before they got into the promised land because the Lord is not, he's a good father and he's not just interested in spoiling his children, but he wants to establish a relationship and out of relationship, we get to benefit from the things that he wants to do because every good and perfect gift comes from him and he withholds no good thing from us to them that walk up right. But what father would want to just give his children and not have a relationship? That's not a good father. That's a father that financially takes care of things, but emotionally he is checked out. And the Lord, our Lord, is not like that. He was interested in getting to know, reestablishing, because why? In the beginning, when God created Adam, he created Adam in oneness with him. And the Bible says that he would visit Adam in the cool of the evening. There was a relationship. There was this connection. They were family. They were one. And then sin came in and that was broken. And so God has yearned to be with them and yearned to connect with them. That's why he called Abraham, the, uh, the, the patriarch, he called him his friend. You know, when they, and it, what that said was that Abraham walked with God. There was something special about man walking with the Lord because it all mirrored what God would do ultimately through Jesus Christ, which is to restore us back in oneness with him, that we would walk in such oneness with him like we did in the beginning. But this time it would be even better because it'd be, it would be within Christ Jesus and we can never lose that again because it is in him. And, and the enemy is a defeated foe. He has been beaten by our champion. And because of that, we are more than conquerors and we are overcomers. And we have this blessed, the earnest most part of our inheritance is the Holy Spirit. And so we read here, I'm going to read a couple of passages in um, Exodus here. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 19, it says, In the third month, when the children of Israel had gone forth out of the land of Egypt, that same day, came into the wilderness of Sinai. This is where Pentecost comes in. And for they departed for uh, Rahavimim and were, and were coming to the desert of uh, Sinai and they pitched their tents in the wilderness and Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God and the Lord called unto Moses out of the mountain and he says unto him, O house of Israel, tell the children of Israel, tell the house of Jacob, Ye have seen what I've done in Egypt, and how I have bared you on eagle's wing, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice, indeed keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people of the earth. Ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. We've heard that before. And a holy nation. And these are the words which the which the Lord spoke unto the children of Israel. When you think of a kingdom of priests or a royal priesthood, where do we hear that? We hear that in 1 Peter. 
That's what the Lord calls us. That's what Peter's revelation of the body of Christ is that we are a delegation of priests. And the Lord was trying to do this in the beginning. In the beginning here, he was trying to do this in Exodus. He was making a delegation of priests, of a royal kingly priest that would walk in such a way. They would walk high and above. Hence, that's the scripture in Deuteronomy. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are people that are consecrated to walk at a higher standard. And when we do, we are esteemed in that level, in that realm before the Lord. And the Lord is reminding Israel of where he's called them into, what he's bringing them into. You're not going to be like everybody else, but when you obey me, when you walk before the Lord in such a way, God has a way of esteeming you. The Bible says that if you favor the Lord, if you honor the Lord and honor him in such a way, he will honor you. And his honor has the ability to elevate you. To cause you to walk in such a place where you would appear to be regal or royalty to people around you. People will wonder, why do people respond to you the way they do? Why is there so much favor on your life? Why does it seem like things just seem to move when you come in? It is because of your obedience and your commitment to the covenant which has been established unto you. Because you choose to honor the Lord, your Father in heaven. It will go well with you here on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's what he's explaining to them, that all the blessings in Deuteronomy 28 will be yours, will be yours. Those blessings that I speak that you'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed when you come and when you go, those things will be yours. But those are predicated on what? Obedience. Obedience. I'm going to read that to you. I want to read that to you because it is key. He said that if you obey my voice and keep my commandments, it isn't enough to just have faith in God. It's enough. Your faith should cause you to obey him. Your faith should cause you to walk with him. Your faith should cause you to move and breathe as he moves and breathe. Delayed obedience is no obedience at all. We need to just move in step with the Lord. And then when you're dragging your feet, you need to repent and line up and get right and, and keep stepping. Because why? Your, the way you treat God, the way you honor him, he's going to pour that out upon you above and beyond you could ever think or, or even imagine in your mind. Because we are a people. So God here, we see here in the beginning in, in, in Exodus, God was making a delegation of priests, of prophets, of anointed ones. And he wanted that same delegation so they were not just treated like, Lord, like sheep and subjects, even though the relationship is like that. As a shepherd, we follow him and we are like sheep, but that he doesn't see us that way, but we are a delegation. Of, of, of believers, a delegation, a royal priesthood of prophets and priests before the Lord. We are ones that carry the word of the Lord. And we, on our central job, is that what? We would bring heaven here on earth as it is in heaven. We would advance the kingdom. We would show the world who our Lord is. They would get to see who our God is by the way we walk. That's why he would say, come from among them. Don't do this like them. Don't do this like them. Because why? There was something about what they were called to. We were meant to walk in royalty. It'll be, it'll be the equivalent of if, if I could use it this way, if, if the if, if, uh, United States had a, a king instead of a president and the king saw everybody as his delegation, those that served him and walked with him. He didn't see you as just servants. He saw you as his royal family. Well, when you are part of a royal family, you can't walk like the common people do. You can't walk like others do. You have to walk at a higher standard because why? You represent the kingdom. You represent the, uh, the king. You represent all that the kingdom is. And so people get to know your kingdom by first engaging you. That's why the Bible says, let your light shine before men, that men would see your good works. Your good works are going to tell them a lot about the kingdom that you're from. That's why James says this. James says, your faith without works is dead because 
without your works, I can't tell what you truly believe in. I hear what you're saying, but your actions don't match up. So I need to see actions along with your with your words so that I don't get confused with lip service or with somebody truly walking in what they say that they're walking in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And this is what Jane, this is what it is to walk at this level. So when God says, I'm calling you to walk at a higher level, I'm calling you to walk as a royal priesthood. That means everybody around you will begin to look at you in such a way like they will notice there's something special about you. And I just want to read this Deuteronomy 28 real quick, because it's 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 these are these are blessings of obedience that I believe uh, that are that are only given because of obedience and not given for anything else. And so I want to read these to you because these are some beautiful. It's a beautiful blessing. It's all part of the Abrahamic covenant that we are a part of. In Deuteronomy 28, it says this. And it, and it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken unto the diligent voice of the Lord. There's that again. If you will hearken, if you will obey the voice of God. This is what will happen in the Lord God to observe all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations. There it is again, setting you on high, causing, causing you to walk in a space and be seen by the world in a space that's above. People will not be able to treat you in a certain way because of the way you honor the Lord, the way you walk before the Lord. God will return that and shower that upon you on earth. I need you to get that because that's important. That's important because everything that we do is an expression and a reflection of the kingdom and our Lord and Savior. Let's keep going. In verse 2, and it says, And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee as a result of our obedience to his word. Not just given to us so that we can become entitled children. No, God is not interested in that. It, it is out of obedience. It is out of his love. It is out of our love for him that all this stuff just comes upon us because we choose to walk well before the Lord. It's like the saying blessing that he says, if you honor your mother and father, it will go well with you. So how much more if we honor our heavenly father, our creator, who has created us, if we honor him, it will go well with us in every aspect of our lives. It goes on and says here, and these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. And if thou hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, blessed shall thou be in the city, blessed shall be in the field, blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, blessed shall be the fruit of the ground, blessed shall be the fruit of the cattle, the increase of thy kind, and uh, the flock of thy sheep, blessed shall be thy basket and thy store, blessed shall be when you come in there, blessed shall be when you go out. Uh, the Lord shall cause thy enemies who rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Wow. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thy storehouse and all that thy set thy hands to. God will command. He will command it to be so because you walk that walk in such a way before him. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee holy people unto himself, as he has sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandment of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways, all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. Do you see that? People on the earth will view God on you, and there'll be an instant fear of the Lord. There'll be an instant, I can't treat that person that way. This is the blessing of the Lord. This is what God pours out. And it says, and the Lord said, and the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods and the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of thy ground and the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasures. The heavens shall give their rain unto their land and their season to bless all the work of thy hands. And thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. Again, if you hearken unto the commandment of the Lord, the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do. And so the Lord, again, if you will 
follow him, if you will do the things, if you will hearken unto his voice, then those things will be given to you, will be added to you. It's like the Bible says in Matthew 6.33. He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and what? And all these things will be added unto you. God will add unto you over and above because one of his names is exceeding and abundant. And that's the way he does. One of his names are exceeding and abundantly. And he goes beyond all that we could ask or think. The Bible says that his name is, he is our exceeding reward. And he's also a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when we seek the Lord and we really seek him with our whole hearts, really leaning in to be with him, to walk in him in relationship, as, as, as a result of that, the benefits, the fruits of that is that he would bless all that we do here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So he's telling them that this is what he's speaking to Israel. This is what he wanted to establish and eventually bring it to us as well. But he started there and this was his mind in it when he was doing it. But what would happen? Israel heard the Lord come and the way the Lord responded and the way he he um, he came on descended upon the mountain. There was lightning, there was thunder and the earthquake and it caused a fear. But it was not a healthy fear. It was not a, a good fear. It was a bad fear. It was a fear that caused them to move back from the Lord. And Moses even tells them, the Lord is coming like this to test you, to, to set the record straight so that you will not, you'll think twice about sinning. God wanted a people that would walk a certain way, but they had to understand it's almost like your parents. Your parents say, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do this to for you, but... Sometimes your parents have to show you that they mean business, that they're not playing, that if they're not pushovers, I'm just not going to hand you all this and not require something of you. So I got to put some healthy fear in you so that you know not to cross lines, so that you know not to cross barriers, so that you know how to stay in your place as a child. And when those, mar when those boundary lines are not set, the relationship between parent and children can become unhealthy and, and, and can become murky. You are, you are called, we are, as parents, we are called to lead and to love and to, and to speak in and to, and to, and to sh propel our children into the good things, into, into the future, you know, with great tools and, and, and knowing that we are, that they are loved, but we are never to just give them everything and teach them nothing. That was not God's way and not demand that they would walk in moral character. That's what, this is what the Lord is doing. And so at, and the reason why I'm going there is because this is what was happening at the first Pentecost, as the Lord begins to speak to them, he tells the people to sanctify yourselves, sanctify, get yourself together because you're coming to meet me. So what does that say? That we can't just come to God any kind of way. We can't just present ourselves any kind of way unto the Lord. Meaning there need, there's an honor, there's a respect. That's what that means. It means an honor and respect. The Bible says come boldly to the throne of grace, but it doesn't mean to come in disrespect. It doesn't mean to come in contempt. There's a, just for example, when you go into a judge's uh, a judge room, when you go into the courtroom, you come in and you, and you speak honorably and you treat the judge honorably. Why? Because he is a person of authority. How much more to God? We can't come in there and say, your judgeship, or what's going on, Mr. Mr. Smith? You, you cannot address him, because why? When you address him in dishonor, in return, you will receive the reward of that, which is in contempt of court. And that can be a fine as well as uh, some time in jail, because you disrespected the authority he represents. That's the same thing in God, is that we are here to honor him. He, he wants a relationship with his, his children, but he wants a healthy one because he will be good to us. He will be that loving father that teaches and molds and shapes and even corrects when we need it. But everything is from the place of love. But all he wants in return, he wants that love in return. He wants you to include him in, invite him in, talk to him. So this was about a relationship. But God had established guidelines. And so what does he give them? He speaks to them about the giving of the law. He tells them, I got to give you boundaries. I got to show you what I expect of you, because if you're expected to walk at a certain place, if 
you are a child of the king, if your parents were really kings here on earth, there is a standard that a king, that a, a prince and a princess walk at. They're, they are taught since day one how to conduct themselves, how to conduct themselves in front of people, how to conduct themselves at home, how to hold a spoon, how to, how to walk, how to talk. They are trained how to walk so that when people see them, they know right away based on their works and their acts, they are something regal. There's something royal about them. There's something different because they have a different mannerism. They have a different way they carry themselves. And that was what God wanted to do with the children of Israel. That's is what God wanted to do with us. And so he begins to lay down the law. And that was where he gives the law to them, the Ten Commandments, where he tells them, you know, thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that. And we can read that. We'll go ahead and read it. And it goes on and says here, and uh, Genesis, in, uh, excuse me, in Exodus 20, he says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto me any graven images or any likeness of anything in the heavens above or in the earth beneath or in the water under. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on, on the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep that keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain, for the Lord will not hold, the Lord will hold him guiltless that take his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days shall a man work and, and, and on that uh, seventh day he shall rest. The Lord thy God in that shall in that the Lord, all your maidservants and your manservants shall rest, and no one should do work. Uh, it says, Honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long on the earth. When you honor your father and mother, your days are extended. So when people disrespect their parents and they walk in such an entitlement way and disrespect, the the, the repercussions of that is that your time could be touched cut short because of your refusal to honor your parents. And honoring your parents is like honoring the Lord, because this is a law that is that is set up. I'm gonna keep reading. It goes on and says, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear fault witness against your neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor the neighbor's stuff. These are all the things that God had to lay down because if God is calling a people to walk at a higher standard, they needed to know the, the boundaries, the parameters. They needed to know what that looked like. Because I could tell you, you're, you're supposed to walk as kings and priests. Well, here's the thing. If you don't know what that is, then you'll say, what does that mean to me? Like kings and priests. Okay, I'm a king and priest. Well, how am I supposed to walk that out of my daily life? That was what the Lord wants to do. God wants to show us how to walk that out, how to walk in forgiveness, how to walk in purity of heart, how to have clean hands and pure hearts before him, how to love your neighbor as your own self, how to bless those that curse you and how to pray for those that despitefully use you, how to bless them. We are the, to walk as the kingdom of God walks a different way. The Beatitudes that Jesus gave was a telltale or like the constitution of the kingdom of God. It gave you a sense of how the kingdom of God ran. This is what he did. This is what the father did in Mount Sinai. He was laying out. He was laying out the law. He was allowing the law to come out that they would know the law was never to save them, but the law was to prepare them for a better day. The, the law was to give them a standard so that they would walk in such moral, moral, more high morals that the people around them would tell the difference. I, I, can, I liken this when you get saved, when you got saved and you didn't cuss or you didn't say the things that you used to and, and you didn't conduct yourself the way you used to or didn't get angry all the time like you used to, but you walked a different way. Your friends noticed it. People around you begin to notice it. They might have thought that Jesus thing was weird, but after a while they begin to notice and it's like, wow, there's something different about you. You don't cuss like we do. You don't say things like this. You don't conduct yourself. You don't seem to respond the way you, you don't seem to react the way we do. You seem to respond a different way. Why is that? And you can tell them this is why. It's because of the Lord. 
This is because of who he is to me and what he has done. And it's and I, I this is who I am. And because of who I am, I must represent him well. I want to represent him well. I want to walk worthy of that which he has called me of. Amen. This is what God has called us into. And this doesn't happen overnight. This happens in the process of sanctification. God is preparing us, laying down the law, teaching us how to re respond to things as opposed to reacting, teaching us how to bless instead of cursing, teaching us how to, to, um, to turn the other cheek in terms of showing mercy, teaching us how to uh, go about things in a wise way, his wisdom as opposed to our wisdom. God is on the God is a good father who wants to train up his children so that they will walk at the standard where he's calling them. Amen. He goes on and tells them and so what what is so when you think about when you think about Pentecost and the law was given, we think about Pentecost and we think it was the day that the Holy Spirit fell and the fire of the Holy Spirit fell upon God's people and they were uh, filled with this fire that there was promised fire that would bring change to them and it would set them on fire to set the earth on fire um, when you think about that you have to go back to the beginning because it wasn't just being marked by fire you are marked by fire because you are a carrier of the Abrahamic covenant how is that possible go to me go with me in Galatians Galatians chapter uh, 3, verse 13. And it says, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. And it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. In Deuteronomy um, 15, uh, Deuteronomy 28, 4, 15 to uh, verse 30, talks about the curse. Meaning if you disobey God, this is the curse of the law. If you want to know what those things are, you should read those things sometimes so you can get a sense of what that is and know what God has uh, called us, what, what the Lord is calling you away from, what God is trying to admonish you away from, what God is trying to encourage you not to walk as. So when you look at uh, Gen, uh, Gen, um, Deuteronomy 28, uh, beginning at verse 15, it speaks about the curse. It speaks about if you don't listen to the Lord and you disobey God, this is what you'll get. It's a very, very clear what that looks like. And so that's what we were redeemed from. All that the law would bring, because anybody that broke the law was worthy of death. And so the curse of the law was death. And so Jesus defeated that and took the death that we deserve and instead gave us life. John 10, 10, he says, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. And not only that, and, that, and the first part of that scripture is that the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He was the one, the keeper of the, of, of the law, sin, and death. He had the authority on it, and he was the holder of death. And so when Jesus came and defeated him, he took the keys of death and hell away from him and defeated him. So he has no more authority over death anymore. Jesus did that, did away with that, and now it's all in his hands. And because of he's he's redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse himself he became a curse for us he became a curse for us that is key there's no curse that an that a demon or that a devil or that a, or, or, or a witch or anybody can place on you because why every curse that ever was and ever will be Everything that uh, that that people could say were curses shouldn't be able to stick with you unless you receive them. Why? Because Jesus became all those things. He that knew none of that stuff, he that knew no sin, knew nothing about that, became those things. Why? So that they would have no bearing on your life. He came and lived the life you would live, defeated it. And, and sat down at the right hand of the Father and said, what I have done, what I have fulfilled, what I have completed, here I give to you at the beginning of your journey, take what I have done and go and do what only, uh, do what I would do. And not only will you do what I would do, but you'll do more because you're not starting from scratch. You're starting where Jesus left off. It was our job to take over and, and be the light of the world. And so he says here, he says, I was made a curse. 
I was made sickness. I was made disease. I was made sin. I was made iniquity. I was made trespass. I was made the I was made everything that you would go free. For it is written, curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. Verse 14. He became all that that what we would get we you and I would get this today. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Who were the Gentiles? They were the people that didn't have a covenant. They were the people that were not Israel at the time. And so what he had done wasn't just doing it for Israel. So it was not just about Israel. God intended to save everybody for the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But he started with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then it went from there to where? Everywhere else. Hence, why, why, why there? Because they were the first church. They were the first uh, delegation of priests. They were the first ones that, that God was uh, redeeming. And so redemption had to go to them first. Bread had to go to them first. But God knew that it wasn't just going to stop there, that he was going to save all of us as well. That all of us was part of the plan of God. Hence, interesting, on the day of Pentecost, when you think about Jesus... When you think about how he died on Calvary and he had to die the death that he died when he shed the blood, he shed it. It is interesting that he spilt his blood. It's amazing how much of blood that a human being has. It's amazing how much blood that we have pumping in our bodies continuously. He bled from the time they slapped him, pulled his beard out from the time that they you know, beating with the cat of nine tails where it was ripping his flesh apart and he's just bleeding everywhere all over Israel. And even as he's left to carry his cross and he's trying to carry his cross, he's bleeding out. He's bleeding all the way to the mountain of, uh, of, of skulls or Gilgalta or Calvary as they, as they call it. He's bleeding all the way there. Why is all the blood being spilt all in Jerusalem right up to Calvary. Why? Because the Bible says that Israel, that Jerusalem bared the name of God. Israel or Jerusalem was the, was the high place of God, was the high place of the earth, was the altar of God. And so because their altar bared the name of the Lord, the blood was spilt all there. Now, here's the interesting thing about the blood of the lamb. That blood was just there on the ground, spread on people because it sprinkled everywhere. People got sprinkled with the blood, but nothing happened until he was on the cross and he gave up the ghost and breathed his last breath. And in Hebrew says the blood of the lamb or the, the one who is who has the testament. The tester had to die, meaning if I write a will, my will doesn't come in effect until I'm gone off the scene so that what I desire for each and every person that is listed on that wheel, it can't come in effect until I am off the scene. So his blood carried the will of the father, carried the promises uh, of God carried everything that the Lord, every great intention of God towards us. It also carried what? The Abrahamic blessing. Jesus was the ultimate form of the Abrahamic blessing. And because he became sin, he became all those things and, and poured out all his blood on the altar of the earth. God breathes down fire. On the day of Pentecost. That's why fire went to Pentecost, went to Jerusalem first, then to Samaria, to the utmost parts of the world, because Jerusalem was the altar, the high place of the earth unto God. It wasn't just a city where there were great men and women of God of the Bible, but it was a city that bared God's name. Hence, we, the children of God, bear his name. And wherever we go, he follows. Or I should say, wherever he leads, 
He is with us. And wherever we go out our daily day, whether we go to work, whether we go to school, whether we're driving here, driving here, or, or traveling across the country or across the world, our God is with us because we are covered in blood, but we are marked by the Abrahamic covenant that was ultimately fulfilled by Jesus. And we are people of presence. So we carry this fire, this glory fire that was given to him, he gave to us. He tells him in John 17, he says, the, the word, Father, that you have given me, I have given them. The glory that you have given me, I have given them. And that is what we give to the world. That is what the world needs to see in our lives. And so when you go back to what is that Abrahamic covenant, what does that look like? You go back to Genesis 12. Genesis 12, where he first gives it to Abraham. And he tells Abraham, he tells him this. He tells him to come from his kindred and get away from his people. In verse 2 he says, And I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great. I will bless, I, thou shalt be a blessing. So it isn't about you just being, you being blessed, but that God will bless you so that you can be a blessing. Because why? Our God is a generous God. He's filled, he's an extravagant giver. He gives. And so when we are extravagant and we give, we are, we are exhibiting his attributes, his nature. And he goes on and says here, he says, I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curse thee. Why would he do that? Because, because you are carrying his presence upon you, the very words that they speak against you is speaking against the Lord. So when they speak bad, God would allow them to reap the bad they were spoken. When they would bless you, God would allow the blessing to be reciprocated. Isn't that something? That's the, that's the covering, that's the, the blessing. And so Jesus, the blood of the lamb, because of what he did, because of how he became what we should have gotten, he got it. And in return, we get that Abrahamic blessing resting on us through Christ Jesus's blood. And not only that, we get to host the Holy Spirit who is full of fire. Who is, who is the breath of God? Who is the, the sweetest part of the Trinity? He is the enforcer of God's will and way. And we get to house him in us. We, he gets to live in us. And he is responsible to teach us. He is responsible to reveal. He shows us things to come. He is responsible for us being transformed. And all that the Father's will in his heart for you and I the Holy Spirit is there, is there in our lives to enforce that, to bring that about. Amen. Isn't that amazing? That is the blessedness of what Pentecost is. It is a remembrance of God giving the law, giving his people who is called to walk at a higher standard, who is called to walk as a royal priesthood. And we find that in 1 Peter, where again now, Peter gets that revelation because he understands what God was saying back in the Old Testament. So you'll find a lot of the a lot of the apostles are quoting things that were in the Old Testament because these Old Testament things weren't just Old Testament. They were for us today. The old and new is just to distinguish the time frame, but it's really just one testament of God unto man. Does that make sense? And so you find Peter. In 1 Peter 2 and 9, I'll read it to you. 1 Peter and 2 and 9. 1 Peter 2 and 9. 1 Peter 2 and 9. And it reads here. Ye also are lively stones and are built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up sac spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that again. He says, ye are as lively stones. We are lively stones because Jesus is the rock. But we are lively stones. We are lively rock because he is. 
that we are built as a spiritual house, not just individually, but collectively together, corporately as the body. And we are called a holy priesthood. So we just read in Exodus, that's what he called Israel. So Israel and us together is a house of God that he wants to dwell in. That's what Ephesians says at the end of chapter one of Ephesians. He talks about God building a house that his spirit can dwell in because God never intended to dwell in tents or in a building. His intentions was always to dwell in man with oneness. That's why one of Jesus' name is Emmanuel, God with us. God tabernacle wiggles because it is an expression and a reflection of what it was in the beginning. Because when Adam was made in, in the image and the likeness and he God made him after his own image, meaning God made Adam just like him. Adam was one within himself and one with God. His spirit, soul and body was one and he was one with the Godhead. Father, Son, and Spirit, he was one with them. And so the Lord longed to have that again when that was broken. So Pentecost is about that being, being uh, carried out because we find it in John 20. Jesus gives them uh, when he tells them and visits them. And now he's commissioning them from the place of being disciples to step into this apostolic to be sent ones. He breathes the breath on them and tells them, receive the spirit. They receive the first part of it, which is the kretos that comes that enter part of the Holy Spirit, where it comes to live in you. And now all of a sudden you have God's, you have Jesus's ability. You have his ability, what he won in the flesh, how he overcame in the flesh, how he said no to things, how he walked at the standard that God was calling him in. That is now being given to you as you receive him when you get saved. He breathed on them. But on the day of Pentecost, they were receiving the deutimous power, that power that would empower them to display the kingdom because the only way you knew the kingdom was here by the demonstration of people being healed and delivered and set free and leopards being cleansed. Then you would know that the kingdom because that was the message of the apostles. Wherever they went, they would preach that the kingdom is here. So when people saw the power of God on the move, active, live and well, they knew that the kingdom of God is here. And so Peter calls them here in verse nine, he says, of a second of first Peter chapter two says, but ye are chosen, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. So we find those same words in Exodus that we read, we find this was always the heart of God because it was in the old and it's now in the and it's also in the new. So we know this has been God's heart and mind even before the foundations of the earth. It goes on and says here, and that ye shall show forth the praise of him who has called you out of darkness unto the marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but now are the people of God. And so where you didn't have mercy, now you have mercy, but you are considered a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation you are a people that walk in a in a high place you are a people that walk in high standards and you can do this in him this is not something you're called to walk and you can try to do it in your own strength they did that they tried to justify themselves by the law that's what the book of galatians is all about them trying to go back and justify themselves by the law and and on your best day, the Bible says your, your righteousness is as filthy rags. That's what the Romans says. Says that even on your best day, if you, if you broke one of them, you were still guilty. So when people say, oh, I'm a good person. I don't need, I don't need to, you know, accept salvation. I'm a good person. I do good things. Honey, your, your good is as filthy as, is, is still as filthy rags. That's how God sees it because no man can, can, can save himself. Even Jesus said when the man said, oh, good, oh, oh, good rabbi, oh, good sir. And he says to him, who do you call good? The only one that's good is God. So what he was trying to tell him, there's no glory in the flesh. There's nothing good about the flesh because the Bible says flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't want to. We can read Romans 8 and it tell, it'll tell you about the flesh. So 
tonight as we are looking at Pentecost, we are called to walk at a higher standard. We are this royal delegation of prophets unto the Lord, unto priests, kingly priests unto the Lord. We've been redeemed under our God as kingly priests. And then the Lord fills us with the holy fire, that glorious fire that empowers us to rule, that empowers us to walk as dominion stewards. It empowers us to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, to subdue, means to bring under the authority of the kingdom and to have dominion, to walk in God's sovereignty as we walk with him in spirit. To walk in this high place that God has called us where the Bible says that I call you to walk as a royal priesthood. To walk in that space, you can't do it in your own will. You have to do it in the ability of the Lord. That's why he gives you the, the Holy Spirit in the inner man. He gives you his ability to say yes and to say no. He gives you his ability to walk in step with the Father. He gives you his ability to bring the flesh under subjection because it isn't always a spirit. It is the flesh that you need to crucify, as Paul says, or that you need to mortify the deeds of your flesh or you need to bring under subjection and, and, and tell your flesh, we are going to walk according to the law of God's word. We're going to walk because we are a royal priesthood. We are to represent him. And he has not called us to walk in a, in a place that he has not given us the ability to do so. But we cannot do it in our own strength. We can do it in him. Hence the scripture, I can do all things in Christ Jesus. Because he strengthens me. Because he's given me his ability. He's given me his yes unto the Lord. And all I have to do is move and breathe in that yes. And what is not working right, God will align it. God will bring it because he's the healer and the deliverer of our lives. We can't deliver ourselves, but he can deliver us if we are willing to continue to press in and walk before him and lay that thing that needs to be taken away, let, lay it before him and let him have it. So Pentecost is about this people, this royal priesthood that would be filled and that would carry the glory of God, the Abrahamic covenant in its fullness because of what Jesus did. And we would take what was given to us and we would fill the earth with the glory of the Lord, with the knowledge of him as the water covered the seas, that they would that, that we would go into the various different uh, spheres of influence and we would become that mountain of God. We are the mountain of God. And I'm going to talk about that in another lesson. We are the mountain of God. We are Mount Zion. And that Mount Zion will arise and will arise so much so that people will take notice of the people of God and they'll want to learn about your God. So you think about Pentecost and you think about what was given, those 12 men were given something that forever changed the world. They turned the world upside down. And here we are today as a result of that, we get to receive that precious fire, that glory fire, that Abrahamic covenant, and allow it to go into our jobs, into any place that God sends us, and we have the ability to shift the atmosphere, to change things, to turn it around. As long as God has sent you, you will do wonders. You will do amazing things. That's what Jesus said. So tonight, I encourage you get something because we're going to take communion tonight and we're going to honor the Lord. We're going to, the reason why we're taking communion because it was of his body, the victory he won in his body and the victory he won in his blood for us. As I read in Galatians, and I'm going to read it again, that the, the blessing, that blessing that was on Abraham and that followed the bloodline is now on us because of what Jesus did. And so when we celebrate Passover, I mean, um, uh, Pentecost, 
We are celebrating being called to walk at a higher standard, being a people who is not just a friend of God, but we are God's royal priesthood, royal delegation, royal congress. We are God's um, ambassadors that are endued with power to, to display the kingdom and to show this dark world who our God is. We are the city on a hill that cannot be hid. We are the light of the world. We are, we are lit up by Christ Jesus to show the world who he is. So as we commune tonight, we are communing in response, saying thank you, Lord, for the Feast of Passover. That we get to wave our offerings before you and say, Lord, we love you. We thank you for the increase, because that's what the other aspect, the natural practical act aspect that I read prior was that this was a feast of, uh, I believe, wheat or grain, and they took their loaves and they would wave it from their from their uh, from their increase from their farming with a harvest. They would wave it before the Lord, wave it before the Lord, wave it before the Lord as a wave offering, saying thank you for what you have given us. Thank you for the increase. And and we understand we are considered as believers wheat. Hence, Jesus said, the wheat and tares. He, the wheat and tares, the wheat are called the people of God. So when Jesus was the first fruits of them that risen, what a, who else risen with him? All of us that came afterward. We are the harvest that Jesus continues to wave before the Father. This is the harvest, Lord. This is the harvest, Most High, that we have robbed. This is the increase of the harvest. And he's waving that before the throne in heaven. We are, rep we are that wheat. We are that bread that he's waving because we are the increase that came after him. But ultimately, he is the bread of life. And that's who you are. And that's what Pentecost is about. The bread of life. In the increase on that harvest, that he's that seed that went into the ground and died. And because he died, some, third, some 30, 60, and 100 fold came forth. We are the fruits of him who gave his life, who died. So Pentecost means, and in Pentecost means this call to kingdomship, call to walk as a kingly priest. This call to walk in a regal way, a people of standard, a people of, of, um, of, of, of culture, a people of a regal people. But it also means it is a people that walk in power. Because Paul said, I don't want you to favor and have faith in the wisdom that I possess. I want you to have faith in the power of God. Because then your faith would be in me. And I'm only a representation of the one who sent me. And so I hope that you guys went and got your communion. We're going to take it. And I'm going to read Galatians. If you have it, when you have it, you can say amen. Um, if you don't have juice grape juice and bread you can use uh, you can use water and bread you can use you know you can use something else liquid in this but let me know that you have it let me know you have it this again it says in Galatians 5 and 16 it says here this I say walk in the spirit that you will feel fulfill the love that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh wars against the spirit the spirit wars against the flesh these are contrary to one another so that ye cannot do those things which you would do but if ye be led of the spirit 
and ye are not under the law. Okay. Now the works of the flesh or the works of the devil are manifested as this. Adultery. So we renounce, and as I'm saying these things, I want you to renounce and divorce it from yourself and your bloodline. This is what I do daily. I do daily. Um, and so we renounce and we repent and we divorce from our spirit, soul, and body and our bloodline. All adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, immutation, wrath, strife, sedition, hearsay, or gossip, envying, murders, drunkenness, reviling, such like this. I tell you before, I have also told you in times past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And Lord, we just renounce, we repent, and we divorce these from our spirit, soul, and body. And anything that comes with it, Lord, I pray right now that you would remove all monitoring familiar spirits that want to come in. We, at, we speak that they would forget where we are. They would not remember who we are. That we choose to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh what they are connected to. We break our allegiance, we break our connections. And the people that are connected to it, we relate, we break our fellowship with them. For we are a people called to walk as the head and not the tail. We are called to walk above and not beneath. We are a royal priesthood a royal delegation. We are ambassadors of the Most High God. We are priests after the order of Melchizedek. And because we are and have been redeemed under our God as a royal priesthood, we choose to walk after the Spirit. We choose to honor our Father in heaven with all that we are. Even when we fall, Lord, even when we make a mistake, we will get up and repent and keep running for you. We have made our choice to run with the Most High God. We come to run with our Father. We want to be one with you as you have desired to be one with us. We speak that and we declare that and we stand in that in Jesus' name. And so we want to be filled afresh by the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. We want to be filled with your fire afresh. Fruits and gifts of the Spirit afresh. Let us be baptized with boldness that the hand of God would reach out and heal, deliver, set free, do signs and wonders and miracles as we speak your word by the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your body and your blood. We thank you for what you have won because you defeated the law of sin and death. We are royal priesthood. We are the redeemed of the Lord and we shout unto our God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for doing what only you could do. And we're so grateful to be sons and daughters. We take the bread because your body, according to Romans, defeated the law of sin and death. 
You, you silenced iniquity. You were bruised for our iniquity. By your stripes we are healed. You were chastised for our peace. That transgressions and sin and the effects of sin would have no bearing on our lives anymore because of what you did in your precious body. You were broken that we would be made whole because it is you that complete us, King Jesus. Healing the wholeness is our portion and we receive it as sons and daughters. You may go ahead and take the bread. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Curse is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now take your blood, take the cup. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And we thank you. Because where the blood was poured out, where the blood was spilt, you came and your fire rested. So rest on us. Now, Lord, behold, they threaten, grant your servants that with all boldness that we may speak the word, thy word, by stretching forth thy hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus, that when they prayed, the place was shaken and they were assembled together. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one mind in one place. Suddenly came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and they appeared upon their heads cloven tongues like a fire that sat upon them. It appeared upon them cloven tongues as fire that sat upon them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives utterance. I'm going to read down. I'm going to keep reading. And they were dwelt in uh, Jerusalem, jo Jews and devoted men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was this noise abroad, the multitude came and were confounded because every man heard them speak in their own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, aren't these that speak are Galileans? How Hear we every man in our language, our own tongue, where we were born. And they spoke, you know, all languages of the earth. But this was a fulfillment of Isaiah 50, 56 and 7. I'm going to turn to that and we're going to take the blood. Isaiah 56 and 7. Isaiah 56 and 7. Even to them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them a joyful, make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar. For my house shall be called the house of prayer. 
for all people. The Lord God, which gathered the outcast of Israel, said, Yet I will gather others to him beside those that are gathered unto him. That's us. So we thank you for what you have done. That we carry the Abrahamic covenant because of your blood. We are the righteousness of God and our scarlet is made as white as snow. Doesn't matter what you did last night or a few minutes ago. The blood of the lamb has made you whole. And so we take this and we say thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you do every day. And as we drink, we drink the new blood, the new wine of your covenant. We drink the will of the one who wrote it. And we say, let your will be done in our lives. That you would get all the glory that men of the earth would see our good works and know who our God is. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you. We thank you.